Welcome, ladies and gents, to the Grim and Bloody Podcast. This show is a presentation of horror, thriller, and suspense, and is intended for a mature audience. Join us at your own risk. Well, welcome to another episode of the Grim and Bloody Podcast. Are you guys getting tired of us yet? Because I think this is probably our fifth show in two weeks, man. We are just cranking them out here and uh, enjoying every minute of it. Uh, tonight, we have special guest author Tracy Meyer. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Your new book, Generation Annihilation, uh, for the young adult crowd who are just getting into horror, or, you know, it's 2023, they've probably already been watching horror for the last five, six years. <laughs> They're starting earlier and earlier, I swear. Uh, your book just came out October 10th, uh, available everywhere, as we were saying, uh, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, published by BHC Press. Uh, welcome. And let me go ahead and introduce my cohorts. We are still down Al Omega, because he is filming, but with me, Kevin Nicholson. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing well. I'm looking forward to this show very much. And let's give a shout out to Smith Publicity. Yes, uh, thank you. Rachel over at Smith Publicity, who is very um, uh, kind to uh, get us our guests today. And uh, it's it's. I'm looking forward to the show. This is a really, uh, looks to be a really fun one. Joe Flynn, how you doing, Joe? You're doing great in the heat, my friends. Yeah, I got a surprise heat wave. I was expecting some nice, cool, fall chill, but it hit 94 today. Yeah. <laughs> and we've already taken down the pool. <laughs> so, well, Tracy, uh, give us a little bit of a synopsis on Generation Annihilation. Talk a little bit about, um, uh, firstly, why did you write it? Because there had to be something in there. And uh, tell us a little bit about the reception so far you've seen. Sure. Well, it is, as you said, it's a young adult and it's about a 17 year old male protagonist who at the very beginning of the book, and this is no secret, it's written on the back. He kills his stepfather. So that really sets the tone for the, the dark and twisty novel that unfolds from there. And he flees Baltimore where he committed this crime and heads to his mother's hometown in rural West Virginia. And there is where the story takes place. He stumbles upon an abandoned lunatic asylum and there is, it's not abandoned. <laughs> and I don't want to give too much away, but he really, it becomes, you know, life or death and maniacal doctors, lobotomies, a lot of really creepy and deranged and fascinating things. And the inspiration for the novel actually came from an actual lunatic asylum that I visited in Weston, West Virginia. Oh, nice. The, yeah. The Trans-Allegheny Lunatic Asylum. It closed. Yeah. It's on all the like most haunted places it in is, America. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I've been on four tours there. I go on the paranormal tour, of course, because I like it dark. One time I even went in the middle of the night, which was really creepy. But I, I was standing there during one of the daytime tours, listening to the guide and we were standing on this balcony overlooking like this ballroom. And the idea just came to me that this would be the perfect place for a young adult thriller slash horror. And it, it just all started there and unfolded very quite easily. It was quite complicated to write the details, but the overall story 
just came to me in that moment. Well, I have to tell you, the um, the thing with me is that when people say, when you say, I, I, you know, I was looking at this book from the perspective of young adult as well going in, but I'm going to tell you, it, it looks like any age group could, uh, you know, could respond to this or could, uh, you know, see something in themselves with this story that Sean uh, Treadway goes through. Um, in fact, we were talking about before the show, we were talking about the, uh, you know, the creepy environs of the standard trappings of a horror story is, um, is the, uh, cabin that he goes to where his mom is at and, and at the asylum and so forth. I'll maintain that one of the creepiest, uh, scenarios that I read in the book was where he came from. Baltimore, you paint Baltimore uh, as a really bleak, riddled with violence, uh, you know, type of area. And here's a here's a kid who is, uh, you know, the, the, he's a kid who's got a juvenile record. He has uh, he's on lithium. He is uh, he suffers from you know similar bipolar issues as his mom did. Uh, but here he is having to deal with years of a stepdad who was an abusive son of a bitch, you know, character, uh, to the point where he's killing this uh, this character, uh, uh, where, where he's killing it. And so I, I'm thinking that to me, your your perception of Baltimore gives me a fright right from the start. Maybe I should apologize to all the uh, residents of Baltimore. <laughs> well, it's, maybe it was just maybe it was just like what the mindset, the the particular environment surrounding uh, Sean's uh, character, uh, surrounding his life. It just seems like that particular little section of society uh, was bleak, uh, you know, for him. And I just wondered, was your intent to give a gut punch to uh, from the very start? Definitely. Mm -hmm. And I needed to set the tone for the novel or I wanted to from the beginning. And since he does change locations, I needed Baltimore to be, like you said, a sucker punch within itself, even though very little of the story takes place there. Sure. So I could kind of I just picked pieces of stereotypical city life mm -hmm. that you hear with the the violence and the the rusty kind of city-like fences and the trash and the parks. I could have plucked that out of anywhere, including DC where I live near. So it's nothing against Baltimore in particular, no. but yeah, I really wanted to start with a sucker punch and not paint a rosy picture and then have him go to rural West Virginia. It was just a different dark picture, city versus rural. But yeah, I really wanted to just set the tone immediately. And by the way, the way that you write Sean's a character, you really want to root for this kid. You really do. You know, life has given him some shit and you really just. But he goes from this Baltimore thing to the was it the the, the Blackridge lunatic asylum, Black which to me, peak, yeah. yeah, which is which is like 
anything that is coming out of anything Stephen King missed with Poe, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'll put together and you couldn't begin to fathom the horror that's there. Well, thank you, first of all, for, for saying, yeah. for putting Poe and King and my name in the same <laughs> sentence. Absolutely. I can't tell you how honored I, I feel by that. And, and thank you again also for for talking about Sean, he's the first male protagonist I've written. Mm-hmm. And it was important to get him right because obviously I'm a female. I do have two sons and brothers and such, but none have gone through this sort of experience. So I really wanted to write an authentic male character. And so I appreciate you saying that and, and someone that we can root for because he's complex. He's, he's a murderer. Mm-hmm. So how do we root for someone who has clearly killed another human being? He's, he's, a mur- he's a murderer, but he's also going through severe guilt. Mm-hmm. He is what he's done the right thing. He's constantly questioning uh, whether or not what he did was the uh, was the right thing. And it's, uh, you know, he plays back the conversation that he has with his mother and uh, uh, and, and, and so forth. And I, l- I really love that mother-son dynamic uh, because it really paints a strong mom-son relationship. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, he needed something to fight for and he was fighting for her life. And so um, that that relationship was a little bit challenging to write and to keep the dialogue and the individuality. You know, so you knew mom was speaking, you knew he was speaking, you knew their closeness. And it was a little bit challenging to write, maybe because it was a little too close to home being a parent. Mm -hmm. I wanted to mention starting off the story with patricide is such such a, a um a, a almost I don't want to say polarizing but man that that's a a tough way to uh to start a young adult novel was that always your your initial shot was it has to start this way because I could almost see that as kind of like a finale you know somewhere where he's his journey's taken him to this point uh, where he has to off him uh, maybe in the beginning, you know, he's thinking about it, he's maybe daydreaming, but yeah, the actual act of, of killing a parent, and, um, especially for the young adults, I, I could see them accepting it you know, in the context of the story, but uh, that's damn bold, <laughs> I wanted to say. <laughs> I never toyed with moving that anywhere else, but other than the beginning, it just spoke to me as the inciting incident that needs to happen something bad enough needed to happen to get him out of Baltimore and fleeing to somewhere rural, so different than city life in Baltimore. Like why else would he go to this abandoned place? He was terrified of, of being imprisoned again. And so I never really toyed with the idea of changing it. That's interesting. Um, You know, I go with my gut instinct a lot and it was the same when I was in the asylum and thought this is where a, a novel has to be set. I decided he needed to kill his father in the beginning and I never looked back. I, it, it didn't occur to me to think how it would come over to young adult audiences because I think he is a sympathetic character. I think mm-hmm. most of us could identify with the urge to protect someone we love. That was gonna be my next question is, um, we, we don't, although I think we've touched on here and there, um, paranormal uh, tours, um, sure. you know, 
we've been to a haunted house as close as we've been to together. Um, but I wanted to get your take because you've been there multiple times. Um, one of the most recognizable, recognizable uh, haunted places. Uh, just for a little bit, let's let's veer off just a little bit because I really want to hear about this. Uh, talk to me about your experiences in this house or in this place. Excuse me. Sure. So my first tour was probably about five years ago, and I had a very visceral reaction when I saw it. So Weston, West Virginia is a typical small country town. The uh -huh. sky rise is obviously pretty rural. I'm from West Virginia, so it reminds me of every other small right. town that I've moseyed through. But you go down this street and then suddenly it's just there, this massive stone structure. Gothic revival, I think, is the, um, the type of architecture. It's massive and it has all these black windows, like all these small, narrow. Oh, I love those. I think, oh, I know. And, <laughs> and there's like a hundred of hundreds of them. And I, I, I had a physical reaction to it, seeing it. So a little shaky, a little on edge, a little hypervigilant. And then went and took the tour. And I felt like you could feel the presence of it, it was creepy and I loved it like I didn't feel scared but I felt wow I love this place so so much obviously it's funny to say you love a place that's haunted but then I went back three other times and one time in the middle of the night and it, it's a really it's hard to explain because it does have such a tragic history and it is supposed to be haunted. Like, why would I just become mesmerized by this place? But I did. And I honestly can't wait to go back. And there are several other buildings, like the West Virginia Penitentiary is another one, an abandoned prison that I would love to go visit. Nice. No, seriously, maybe the spirits of Transaganagani have been telling you, write this story. <laughs> write it that'll be fantastic I, i'm so fascinated because um i learned a couple years ago there was a, a house in hayward california that um it's called the cronin house and it was it was part of a veteran's um property and it, it was run down but as you mentioned you had a physical reaction to it um i had a physical reaction to this place as well when i drove by and you just feel something coming out of this place it, it was something I don't want to say out of this world because then it, 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 we kind of jumped the shark a little bit. Yeah, I felt that like I was staring at me. Uh, but it, you do feel this kind of this unease when I was just walk, driving by, even looking at the pictures. Uh, if you look at the Cronin house, it's this you can tell there was something wrong with this building, right? Even as they patched up the, the windows, um, the whole place just felt absolutely wrong. And um, when I watched the, the demolition video on YouTube, I'm like, y'all just released something out because <laughs> that house is that house is holding something back, and you guys just uh, let it free. So I ain't going around there again. But I, I really wish that they would allow tours into this place because, as you said, it's like you 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 feel fear, but it's also a rush. That's what you get with writing horror, um, specifically writing horror, because you're putting yourself, you know into the character as you said you were writing a male protagonist um so you know that is it's a different it's a different viewpoint um but the 
everyone feels fear the same way. You know, it's still a rush. It's still that same feeling as when you're on a roller coaster and you're slowly creeping up to the top, right to the apex. And I'm sure they do it on purpose, right? That thing is just rickety going all the way up, right? Um, you're going 85 miles an hour down. Um, but it's that same feeling, right? That, that tension building, um, that, that feeling of man, that, that anxiousness that's that's uh, just boiling over. Um, so that's what I got from the, that's what I got from the, the initial first chapters was um, this rise. And it started with the patricide. Um, that's a hell of a way to start a story, <laughs> uh, especially for young adults. And I would say that was that's an attention getter. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. I just jumped right into the book without reading the summary. I'm like, you know, I'm just going to jump right in here. Let's see what's going on. Um, so c congratulations to that for getting my attention straight away and keeping it through. Um, it was an excellent read. And uh, I guess my next question is, uh, will there be more installments uh, after this one? Yes, there's one more. So it's a um, it's a two book series. I kind of veered away from the the standard three three books, and it will come out in September next year. It's called Generation nice. Retaliation. Mm -hmm. So no, yeah, it's, I, yeah. So the the ending doesn't pack quite the punch that the beginning does, and there's a reason why because there is a sequel. That's right. So many unanswered in the first part, I tell you. You know, as, have as, a sequel. as Anthony, right. as you were talking about, I was thinking about, uh, you know, San Jose has um, its uh, its own famous haunt, you know, with the Winchester Mystery House. And oh, that ain't I, haunted. That's all malarkey. Come on. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you think that one's haunted? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Without, I don't know. I've been to question. Winchester Mystery House. I know on a country, but I've been there and I, I didn't, I never got that same feeling as I did. Um, no. Fortunately, you can't visit the Cronin house anymore, but houses that, you know, maybe it's just a building, some type of structure, but there was, maybe there was trauma that happened there, some kind of no. tragedy, or maybe just some, someone opened up the wrong book. You, you know, these things no. happen. Um, I don't really get the feeling. Maybe because it, I expected it, or maybe it's because no. it's so famous. Even they made a movie it's, of it. There's so the much. There's so much murder of Native Americans that's associated with the Winchester repeating rifle. That I, you know, when I went, uh, you know, to see it for the first time, I actually got hit with a moment of, uh, I, I would almost say depression. Uh, it was just a, you know, a wave that something, you know, that happened here was very, you know, dark because you're talking about, uh, it's, uh, you know, reportedly haunted by, you know, the spirits of thousands of Native Americans that were killed because of the Winchester repeating rifle. And, um, so I definitely got that and, you know, do the impression, am I... Am I a parapsych? What are they para? You know, uh, you know parapsychologist expert? No, I am not. I'm not. I just can tell you what my feeling was. Was very similar to what uh, Sean's, uh, you know, feeling when he first uh, sets foot on the grounds of the of the asylum, where he is seeing this fog. And he is walking, uh, you know, walking through, and he feels, and he even, you know, says it, this great 
chill. And he's looking around, and he even says at, at one point uh, uh, that it, he feels like the uh, the asylum itself, the building itself, is looking at him. And which I thought I I got a, a creepy feel just reading that that he thought that the uh, the way the windows were set uh, were set up that the asylum was had eyes of some sort looking at uh, you know looking at him. And I thought that was a brilliant piece of writing, by the way, Tracy, on, on that regard. Uh, because sometimes when I'm watching a haunted house story or I'm reading or seeing a haunted house, uh, you know, story or a haunted tale, I'm looking for that, you know, kind of, you know, setting that kind of, uh, you know, scene, the building, uh, and, uh, and so forth. And I felt that when I was reading, uh, your book. So, yeah. Now, I mean, this is, oh, go ahead, Tracy, sorry. I was just going to say really quickly, actually, my, my intent, and I hope I pulled it off, was to make the asylum a character within itself. Mm-hmm. You pulled it off. Thank you. Yes. You pulled oh. it off, yeah. <laughs> I wanted to mention, this was my first time actually pulling up a, a, a young adult novel um maybe since geez high school <laughs> um but i say i've read a, a lot of horror novels mostly stephen king um as i've gotten older and i just found it refreshing that um i didn't need a, a webster's dictionary ne- next to me in order to understand what the writer was saying like it, i didn't have to stop and say what is or Although there was a, it, it's a strongly written uh, novel. Uh, I would say probably maybe sophomore to senior high school level. Um, it's simple enough that for adults who wanted to pick it up, um, the prose is easy enough that you can almost let it wash over you, and you can enjoy the story easier. Uh, and I found that the story came to me a lot faster, and that kept the tempo going. Um, so I'm not saying my new kind of turn is to YA novels, but I, I did find it refreshing that, um, especially when you're reading horror, for me, reading horror is pretty much on the same level as playing like a horror game. You're in there, right? You are the character versus watching a movie where you see actors portraying characters, right? With written is you're pretty much, you're, you're toe for toe, step for step with the character, right? You're, uh, you're going to experience what they experience, and with writing, as your imagination begins building out the outer edges, that's like what we got to talk about. Um, when you're reading, you're, a good author will give you just enough to paint the core picture, and then your imagination starts filling in the rest. Right? Then it becomes your own story, um, and that was done here. Uh, so congratulations to you. I, I think it was a solidly well built story. As you mentioned, yeah, the ending. Uh, you, you don't. There's it is lacking that payoff but as you mentioned there's a sequel to it um so i think you know i think everyone including us we're going to be looking forward to that sequel and finally seeing what happens at the end i'm a big believer that ya is for all audiences honestly because i mean some of the themes do hover in the like high school era but they're usually quick reads but they're raw and gritty even if it's a contemporary even if it's not a thriller and horror, but it, I feel like they're just more raw 
and straightforward and direct than some more lyrical or fluffy prose of like adult novels. And I really, I, I really, I read a lot of YA and I always have. Yeah, yeah, you gave me some authors, they, they just like flexing their vocabulary muscles, right? And mm-hmm. and you're, you're halfway in, it's like, what? so where's the eccentric? Because I'm, <laughs> I'm trying, I didn't know I was gonna go to school here. Uh, <laughs> I was just picking up to get scared. Uh, but yeah, you're right, is, you know, YA novels, um, it, it was an excellent reminder. It's just, a, it's a great way to almost get your horror fixed as an adult because, you know, you can kind of just turn off the, uh, the analytical part and just enjoy some entertainment. Well, Tracy, I, I I have to say that I love your how you give your characters, and this is this is definitely uh, maybe another strength of the YA horror novel is that you give your characters, your youth characters, um, a lot of hope, uh, a lot of uh, you know reason to look beyond. They're, you know, a troubled circumstance, uh, their their life around them, and see that there is a future. And was that something that was just important to you as you write this uh, uh, this novel? Absolutely. It's funny you mentioned hope because this is my fifth young adult novel, and I and I would say all five of them have a healthy dose of hope, and all five of them are dark and gritty. But I. I work as a mental health therapist in my day job, so I try to steer clear of anything that comes across as preachy or psychoanalysis when I write. I just want to punch hard and get it out there and and take the reader on a wild ride. But I think the importance of hope, I take them to such dark places, these characters, that I think it would almost be too harsh if there wasn't hope, if there wasn't something to look forward to. And I don't necessarily do that to translate it into a lesson for the reader, but hopefully in the end, you know, we could all use hope. And that can, I mean, hope is incredibly powerful. Even the tiniest little blip can get you through the worst of times. So yeah, hope is really important. And I'm glad that it's it's showing through because it can also, it's, these novels can be triggering to people and can sometimes Absolutely. be hard yeah. to read. <laughs> and I think if there is hope in the character, it just helps cushion that a little bit. You, you mentioned hope and readiness, and I apologize, I couldn't help but start to think about one of my favorite uh, uh, stories. It's it's a film called Seven with Brad Pitt and Morgan Freeman. Mm-hmm. Um, that movie has, it's probably one of the greediest movies I've ever seen, uh, but there's definitely a message of hope with uh, Brad Pitt you know, Grant Paltrow, and uh, they're expecting a baby, and they're moving into, you know, the, they don't mention what kind of city it is. I don't want to know what kind of city it is. I ain't visiting that city. <laughs> so I don't, I'm good. I, I'd rather know what city that is so I can avoid it. But they're trying to adjust. They have a new apartment. There's hope there. Um, you know, they're, um, obviously, they're, they're not fond of their new surroundings yet. But, you know, with the baby, there is hope there. And as you mentioned, that that is a dangerous thing to put in a story because um, the minute that the audience latches onto that hope as well, thinking that there's going to be a light in the tunnel, and you take that away, boy, you can just turn them on. You can just just flip the whole thing on on their heads. Well, literally in reference to that movie, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And the ending. (laughs) 
It's not in the box, okay? <laughs> she actually refers to she actually refers to uh some other you know, an, another film uh in the um which is actually i i i had a bit of a chuckle at it when she refers to when when we see sean going first to west virginia and um and i think it's at the point where he finally reaches the uh uh, the asylum is going through the town and you make a reference in the book to one of my favorite uh films where you, you say the situation is kind of like that uh like he's left alone uh isolated kind of like the guy that's left on mars and i'm thinking who else would put in a horror story the martian a reference to the martian with uh you know the the matt damon uh you know the matt damon film I like that, and I kind of started thinking that Treadway's character is kind of like the uh, the Damon character in the uh, uh, in in the Martian that he's all alone in uh, you know there, and especially the moments when he's up in the cabin. Which, by the way, I, I'll say that very funny uh, little aside when he goes into the cabin and he's bringing in his gaming equipment and he's realizing all of a sudden. There's probably not electricity here. <laughs> well, he is a 17-year-old boy, right? <laughs> so he's thinking, like, ah, oh, you know, uh, you know, ah, oh, damn, what's going? On? Yeah, actually, you know, that's funny that you made that connection with the Martian because yeah. I did not. I just loved that movie. Yeah, and, no, I was just thinking and... that that you would how you say it just kind of feels like I kind of connected it with the character you know feeling isolated at the moment he's all alone uh in this little town and uh, uh and so forth so i thought maybe you were trying to make some kind of inference uh on that but really i just appreciate it as somebody else loves that film like i do if it no. if it was a connection it was unintentional but okay. i can now okay. maybe it was subconscious because i've seen that movie several times yeah. and his isolation is profound and pervasive and you can feel it and also with the desire to eat a potato right like yes <laughs> there's two yes. feelings that came from that movie <laughs> oh yes. yeah uh, yeah so i, I got oh. maybe i maybe i threw in a little imaginary connection there uh or something like that but that was fun that was fun i said anybody i have to read the rest of this book because anybody who likes the martian like i do this is that's all right with me <laughs> I've never seen it, and I'm surprised because I'm a Matt Damon fan. You would like, like it. it. You would like it. Well, Tracy, I want to. I want to ask you because I know there's a lot of, you know, fans out there who are, uh, you know, looking to find work like this and so forth. Where can folks uh, find you on social media? Where can our listeners and our our fans find you on social media to seek out more of your work? I would love that. I, my website is a good place to start, tracyhewittmeyer.com. I'm on Instagram at tracyhewittmeyer. Facebook, tracyhewittmeyer. I think Twitter is Tracy H. Meyer. And I dipped my toes into threads, but I can't quite get into that. Well, Twitter is, the, I guess, What's threads that? is the Wait. Instagram offshoot. Oh. So you're not quite into X? uh you know which is having its own issues right now but uh <laughs> we understand <laughs> well and sometimes i post on tiktok which is just to my 
utmost horror. I can't believe I do that, but I do. How dare. Oh, oh, yeah, it's awful. <laughs> That's the horror right there. <laughs> That's right. So we're not we're not here to say note to self ban Tracy Meyer. No, <laughs> the uh, we don't do that. No, no. But uh, I, I, I'm with you that I just recently, uh, you know, found out how to work Snapchat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I consider myself a very hurt yourself, basic, Kevin. <laughs> yeah, very basic. Uh, person when it comes to all this social media stuff i mean i know facebook and i know some of you know twitter and instagram and that is it wow that is it we'll go we'll go old school kevin we'll go back to you know the good old days of myspace okay (laughs) where tom was your top 10 that's it that's it yeah. That's it. Just, just. But joking. I'm more likely to find somebody like Tracy Meyer on uh, on 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 MySpace as an author and, and so forth. There was quite a few that I could run into on my uh, on MySpace. But uh, Tracy, I, I just want to say congratulations yes. on yes. the success yes. of this book. It is very entertaining, very well uh, put together, uh, an engrossing read. I found it unnerving at times and a really engrossing read and thank you for coming on so quickly after the release uh, we do appreciate you taking the time i know uh from you know uh writing previously you want to strike when the iron is hot uh you want to just get the word out there as much as you can at around the time of release and we appreciate you uh uh considering us and uh giving us the opportunity to uh, bring you on the show and talk about generation annihilation which is an excellent read well, thank you all for having me today. I, this was so much fun and and insightful and just wonderful to talk to you guys. I really appreciate it. And I wish you guys all the best. You too, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to note it that in my previous conversations with uh, Tracy email, by email, she did mention, and I wanted to uh, just, you know, wanted to put her on the spot on it. It seemed like she mentioned you mentioned Tracy that you had caught some of our show, you know, before because you were talking about some oh. of the, the humor on our shows. So we may have a guest who was a previous fan of the show. <laughs> well, you, know. <laughs> you made me laugh out loud with the Jim Bob and Mary Sue goodbye. Oh yes, <laughs> I, I laughed that, that was out so loud. Way over my head. I'm like, oh, it was so funny. He's about? the youngest one here. He doesn't know. I'm the baby. Na, 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 na. <laughs> he doesn't, he doesn't know, know about Richard Thomas and uh, oh. and and Earl Hamner, you know, Jr. and 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 all this stuff. He doesn't know about Jim Bob and Mary Ellen. <laughs> Mary Ellen. Sue <laughs> Ellen. Hey, give me Gilgan's eyes. Uh, these are okay. a fun bunch of guys. We miss Al. He he's our our yeah. fourth uh, wheel in the car. Keep Tracy has been go- uh, has been very gracious that uh, we've yes. had to reschedule a few uh, a few times because of the schedule uh, that we have, and Tracy has just been terrific. And uh, I I very much would like to have you back on when your next book comes out. Oh, I, I would be honored. Oh, I would love that. <laughs> yes. I'll make honored. sure. I'll make sure that uh, that Rachel is is uh, pestered with my emails and uh, <laughs> Good, uh, and yeah. so forth and. Um, She'll be like, all right, all right, all right. Feel free to mark it. Spam. It's okay. Yeah. Don't, Don't look at me or Anthony <laughs> uh, if there's a restraining order. 
<laughs> in common. So without going, he usually gives us the closing. I'll go ahead and close for out tonight. So watch horror. Keep America strong, everyone. Good night. Good night, Joe Bob. Good night, Marion. <laughs> Be still, right over that. <laughs> <laughs>